Join founder of I Am a Watchman Ministries, Scott Townsend, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, along with I'm a Watchman Managing Editor, Joe Kerr. And in today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Gary Frazier. As president of Discovery Missions and a respected speaker and writer on Bible prophecy, Dr. Frazier has appeared on numerous documentaries, the History Channel, and national radio programs. He has authored numerous books, was a contributor to the LaHaye Prophecy Study Bible, as well as the popular Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy and many other works. You can also find sound biblical answers to questions about Bible prophecy in the last days on Dr. Gary Frazier's website, GaryFrazier.com, and that's Gary, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com, GaryFrazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. And Dr. Frazier, in your book, It Could Happen Tomorrow, we read about Christ spoke of impending wars, rumors of wars, ethnic conflicts, spiritual deception, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Most people are ignoring these warnings, but all these are signs that we are in the last days. We've seen many events that fit your description, and your book asks the question, what makes our generation different? And I especially am interested in finding out your position on the nation of Israel. What makes this generation different as we look for Christ's return? Well, what we learn from Scripture is that the Jewish people must be gathered back to their land in order for the final end-time events in the history of the world to take place. They cannot happen apart from the Jewish people being regathered to their land. So let's go back in time and ask, well, hasn't every generation of people, you know, that were Christ followers since for 2,000 years, haven't they looked forward to the coming of Jesus? Yes. But is there going to be a generation that will actually experience that? That generation must have seen or witnessed the return, rebirth of the nation of Israel, the return of the Jewish people to their land. And that's the that, that is the key to understanding where we are. So I can boldly proclaim today that while there are numerous prophecies that are looming on the near horizon to be fulfilled, which is what the book, It Could Happen Tomorrow, Future Events, that we shake the world, that's what that book is all about. But the reality of it is, none of those events could, could have taken place without the rebirth of the nation of Israel. So May 14, 1948, we began the terminal generation. And so today, for those who are interested to know what the facts are, the reality is, is that because the Jewish people occupy the land, because the nation of Israel was reborn, we can now say we are living in the last of the last days. Well, that is so well said. But for those who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about the importance of Israel, because there was a time when they were a nation, a time when they were not, and now a nation again. Tell us about that space in between. What was the significance of that? Well, as you know, I think most of our listeners would be aware of the fact that God uniquely brought the Jewish people into existence when he miraculously allowed Abraham and Sarah to have a child in their old age. And that was the birth of the ethnicity of the Jewish people. And God made certain promises to them that if they would, you know, walk in obedience to him, uh, Genesis tells us that God promised certain blessings to them. And one of the blessings he promised was the specifically geographically identifiable strip of land that we know as Israel today, that this would be their land and he promised to bless them, et cetera, et cetera, if they would obey him. And the bottom line is, as we read 
the Bible, 50% of the Bible is history. And as we read the history of God's dealings with the Jewish people, we find that over and over and over again, they failed to be obedient. They finally forsook their unique calling. And ultimately, God had declared that if you do this, this is what will happen to you. So their greatest prophet was Moses, of course. And Moses himself would breathe the prophetic word into Deuteronomy 28, how, beginning in verse 57 and following, how God showed him that because of the rebellion of the Jewish people, they would be scattered into all the parts of the earth. Well, God sent them prophet after prophet after prophet. Finally, they rejected Jesus himself, the God-man, as their Messiah. And as a result of that, in 70 AD, the Romans came and virtually attacked the city of Jerusalem, burned the temple, sold the Jewish people, for the most part, into the slave markets of the world. And Israel uh, would retain the name of the country, Israel, until the year 135 AD. And so about 65 years after the destruction of the temple, Hadrian, the Roman emperor, would change the name of Israel from Israel to Syria, Palestinia. Now, the Philistines were always the arch enemy of the Jewish people. And so this was a slap in the face of the Jews to change the name of their country from Israel to Syria, Palestinian, which is where the word Palestine comes from. And so from 135 AD on, we know that this land that was Israel, and so when I look in the back of a Bible, in a Bible map, and it says Palestine in the time of Jesus, it is historically inaccurate because it was Israel until 135 AD. Then it became Palestine, and the Jewish people were scattered in all these nations, but the promise of God was that one day he would bring them back in their land. For example, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11 and 12 says, For the Lord will extend his hand yet again a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Upper Egypt, from Lower Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the four quarters of the earth he will gather them. Now, numerous times in Scripture, more than we have opportunity to talk about today, God promised that he would bring the Jewish people back. Now, here's the miraculous element of this, Dylan uh, and Joe, and that is that no people have ever been separated from their homeland for more than about 230 years and ever reconstituted again as a people in their original homeland. This is a, an anomaly of history. And so miraculously, God kept this promise as he began the process with the first Zionist conference that was convened in 1897. And for the very first time since 70 AD, Jewish people really began to think in terms of, re, of a return to the land. But ultimately, it would take the Holocaust Six million Jews and other million children slaughtered in the ovens of Nazi Germany to allow the nations of the world to rise up and say, the Jewish people deserve a return to their land. And so May 14, 1948, that return became a reality. And as such, we witnessed the second greatest miracle of all time. Uh, that is the birth resurrection of Jesus, the first one. Uh, but the second one is the miraculous rebirth of the nation of Israel, doing what no one else in time has ever done. And God brought them back, put them there divinely, so that he could then begin the stage-setting process for the next great event in all of the history of the world, which will be the coming of Christ for his bride, the church, followed by other events that are clearly delineated in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Revelation, in, the, in Isaiah, and so forth. And so we are in a very unique time and moment in the history of the world. Let me just add one other thing before I shut up here, Dylan, for a second, and that sure. is the reason that I wrote this book was not just to provide information not even really to provide 
you know, motivation, but to bring back to a key element that has been lost in the lives of so many Christ followers and in a lot of churches. And that is a sense of urgency with regard to where we are on God's prophetic clock and why we need to be serious about living for Jesus in these days, because truly the fields are wide into the harvest, but the laborers are few and the clock is ticking. Well, that's well said. And we hope you're enjoying our conversation with Dr. Gary Frazier. Stay with us and we'll be right back with more at A View from the Wall. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Bible prophecy is perfect and precise. Understanding prophecy not only provides insight into what is going to happen tomorrow, it positions us to be better witnesses today. For example, Daniel the prophet declared that the Messiah would come to Jerusalem and then be cut off or killed precisely 483 years after a particular proclamation was made. About a hundred years after that prophecy was written, the proclamation was made, and exactly 483 years later, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in what we now call the triumphal entry, and then was crucified, all exactly as foretold. The study of Bible prophecy is amazing and exciting. I Am A Watchman resources will help you know what God has done and is going to do. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're here together with Dr. Gary Frazier discussing his book, It Could Happen Tomorrow. And Joe, I want you to jump in here a little bit and get us started this segment. Let's dive right in and talk more about this book. Gary, a lot has happened since this book was released a few years ago. If you were going to update the book and talk about what's happened in more recent history, bring us up to date on the prophetic calendar, if you would. Plug us in. Well, you know, Joe, if you, but from reading the book, you realize that the only event uh, that, that is on the near horizon that we, the bride, the church, the believers, get to participate in is the coming of Jesus for the bride. Now, I position that event, and and by the way, no serious scholar would argue the fact of whether or not there is a coming of Christ for the bride. It always has to do with the timing of that. Is it before tribulation? Is it in the middle? Is it after? Well, based on my nearly 50 years of study of the Word of God, I am thoroughly convinced that we are not appointed in the wrath, but to obtain salvation is... Uh, Thessalonians tells us. And so we're not going to be here. We're going to be captured, taken out, taken to the Father's house to fulfill the promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14. Paul talks about this also in, you know, as well in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18. But the bottom line here is, is, is that we see God doing something incredible right now, and that is setting the world stage. I'm watching the rise of Iran, the rise of the religion of Islam, and I'm taking what I'm seeing in the world today with this military pact signed between Russia and Iran, what's happening in Syria with regard to Damascus, uh, a prophecy in Isaiah 17 that speaks about Damascus, which is the oldest continuously inhabited city uh, on the face of the earth, being completely, as it says in Isaiah 17:1, destroyed, wiped off the face of the map. And so what we're seeing happening in Syria, Iran, combined with Russia, and then combined with what's happening in Turkey. So the things that I wrote about about four or five years ago when I first wrote this book 
we're see, I'm seeing those things expanding in an unprecedented manner. Now, there's two words I'd like for our listeners to keep in mind as we think about this conversation, but also for their daily lives. And those words are frequency and intensity, because that's what Jesus said it would be like when he spoke about the birth pains in Matthew 24. The closer it gets to the time of the birth, pains are more frequent and they're more intense. We're seeing the world being, th- things are happening more intensely and more frequently than ever before. And so, for example, it shouldn't surprise us <clears throat> when we hear constant threats from Iran concerning the destruction of Israel, concerning the destruction of America. You know, but you ask about uh, one of the, how would I, what things that I would embellish or add to, I'm looking at this explosion of technology that is just going crazy uh, through all types of uh, RFIDs, biochip implant technology, about there's so many things that are happening so fast that we actually can understand Revelation 16, uh, I mean, Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18 in an unprecedented manner when it talks about the quote-unquote coming mark of the beast. But here's one thing I want to say. If I were going to focus on one thing, I would say the one thing that I see that is changing so dramatically and that I would write extensively about would be the pending death of the United States of America. America, the friend of the Jews, America, birth of God, to be the greatest gospel-sending nation on the face of the earth, America born to be a safe haven of the Jewish people, founded upon a Judeo-Christian ethic, the teaching of the Word of God, America as we know it is rapidly going away right before our very eyes. And the tragedy of that is, is if you understand this, that because we're the greatest friend of Israel, if America goes away, and it is, who would be there to stand in the gap to, to, to help the Jewish people when they are going to be attacked, according to Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, by a Russian-led Islamic coalition? It's clear in Scripture. Nobody's going to be there to come to their aid. The believers are going to be gone in the rapture. But second to that, America itself cannot exist because we know that there is a one-world government that is coming. And the truth is, you can't have a one-world government and have a superpower in the world that is, some call it democracy, we're a constitutional republic. You can't have that kind of nation existing and have a one-world government. And yet, we're seeing exactly all the groundwork has been and is continuing to be laid for ultimately a one-world government, a cashless society, which will be led by a man the Bible calls the Antichristos or the Antichrist. So these things are looming right in front of our very eyes. And for those who are paying attention, we're watching these things unfold. But let me say this. None of this would matter if Israel were not back in their land as a nation. But because they are, we dare not ignore what's happening around us. And I will tell you, America is, I wrote a book a few years ago called America at the Tipping Point. If I were going to write again today, I would write America beyond the Tipping Point. My latest book is called Divorcing God, the Two Americas, because we have now so divided, uh, so split as far as a people. We can no longer have civil conversation with half of America. We are in serious trouble, but... The key is Jesus is on the throne. God is in control. Heaven is not in a state of chaos. That is so good. And I would 
look forward to that next book because the story of America continues. I think uh, that is probably one of the most disagreed upon ideas in end times prophecy teaching right now. Where is America in end times teaching? Because we can identify many other major countries that are clearly listed or at least alluded to. But like you said, there is no democratic representative republic that could stand up and still be a part of a one world government. So looking at the latest figures, Dr. Kinneman from Barner Research is going to be on our program later, and they did research that showed that the numbers have changed over the years, but still over half of Americans say they are Christians. Now, if you subtract the ones who think they're Christians, but they're in a cult or something, let's say it's half that number. That's over 100 million Christians that would suddenly disappear in the rapture. I ran through the recent reports, and you go down to the seventh in line for presidential succession, line of succession, before you come to somebody who doesn't have a clearly articulated testimony that they are a Christian. The president, the vice president, all the way down to number seven. Imagine what would happen to our military, our government, and our country if suddenly all those people are gone. I can see how that would be that kind of upheaval for sure. Well, and I would take slightly, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't argue with the folks at Barna, but I would say that there was another survey that came out talking about the fact that only 7 to 10% of people who claim to be Christians can actually give a true definition of what it means to be born again, i.e. basically said faith alone in Christ alone. In other words, apart from works. Right. I do believe, as, as Billy Graham said, that the vast majority of people today who claim to be Christians have never truly experienced being born again. And and I will tell you that I'm convinced, traveling across America and around the world, uh, preaching all across this country, I'm telling you, I'm convinced that a large percentage of folks who sit in churches on Sundays have never been truly born again. I want to tell you why I believe that. When you come to know Jesus, he changes your life. He gives you a different worldview. Recently, I had a conversation with some people who claim to be Christians, and yet they were chastising me because they were pro-choice. And I said, I have a problem with you saying you're a Christian, uh, just like I do with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and many others in Washington who claim to be Christians by their Catholic faith, and yet they are supporting the violation of the commandment of not shedding innocent blood. And today, more than 60 million of our lives yet unborn have been slaughtered on the altar of convenience. And I will tell you, God knows every name. And the bottom line here is, is that don't tell me that you love Jesus and you know who he is as your Savior and you read the Word of God, and yet you're complicit in the murder of his very creation. I'm not buying that. And so I know that doesn't uh, sound warm and fuzzy, and folks probably, there are many who would recall about that. But I challenge the people that were talking to me to go back into the Word of God and look at how God dealt with the pagan nations who offered their children as sacrifices to their pagan gods. We're offering our children today to the sacrifice of the pagan god of secularism, of evolution, humanism, and convenience. And I will tell you, we're in trouble, and God is going to hold us accountable for that. And that's well said and powerful words from Gary Frazier. We hope you're enjoying our conversation. Stay with us, and we'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall, and we're joined by Dr. Gary Frazier discussing his book, It Could Happen Tomorrow. We're excited about the content that's been shared, but we also want to be cautious and communicate Scripture in an accurate and intelligent way. I know we have a lot of watchmen listening who feel led to sound the alarm, but we want to do it in an appropriate manner. So we want to talk to you, Dr. Frazier, today about how we can witness and sound the alarm without being alarmist. So give us some good advice here about how we can balance sharing this issue, sharing this message without coming across in the wrong way to others? Well, one of the things I think that's really important, Dylan, is as we talk about prophecy, the future events, the things that we see happening around us, we tend to focus so much on what appears to be a negative element of that. But I'd like to remind us that this is the hope. This is the great hope we have in Jesus. He he said, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. First of all, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide and direct you into all truth. And then one day, I'm going to come and claim you and take you to the Father's house. And, you know, for us, as we see these things happening, you know, people tend to look at those of us who teach and speak on this subject as being kind of fatalistic and as we talk about. And by the way, I hate talking about the demise of America. I love this country. I'm a patriot. It's the greatest nation that's ever existed as far as I'm concerned. However, we also can never allow our emotions and feelings to override the authority of the Word of God. And so as we talk about this, these things should not be viewed through the fatalistic ideas, but reminding all of us that there is a Creator who spoke the world into creation, who, as there was a beginning in Genesis, there is an end in Revelation. There is an eternal plan for the ages that God reveals in Scripture to those who care to study it. He doesn't give us every minute detail, but he lays out a big picture. And sometimes he fills in the snapshots, but most often we have this big picture, and that's what my book, It Could Happen Tomorrow, uh, is really all about. It's the big picture. And that book serves as two things. One, to encourage uh, believers to live for Jesus in these closing days in the history of the world, to be bold in our witness, to be prayer warriors, to be loving and kind and sharing the truth. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, because lawlessness or wickedness shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. We can never, ever afford to allow our hearts to grow cold toward the lostness of those who are around us. We need to love them because, remember, we may be the only Jesus they ever see. And the truth of the matter is, is that lost people do what lost people do. We shouldn't expect any more from them than that. But what we want to say to them is, hey, there is an, an, an answer to the dilemmas in your own heart and life. There's an answer to the chaos and confusion of the world. And it's found in the name of Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He loves us. He has a plan for our lives. His goal is that we would spend an eternity with him forever in a place called heaven that is beyond our wildest imaginations. And so as we see these things happening in our world today, it should simply call us to be faithful, to lovingly share with those who do not know him. Not a religion, not about a religion. This is not about a set of rules. This is about grace and freedom, being born again by the innocent shed blood of the Lamb of God who makes it possible for us to have a living relationship with the Creator. And so we need to keep our focus you know, on that, even though we're talking about very serious events, because ultimately, yes, these things are going to happen just as the Word of God says that they will. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 through 3, Jesus chastised the religious leaders of his day in the first century 
because he said, you know what, how to tell, you know, what time it is by looking in the heavens, but you don't recognize the signs of the times. And, you know, today we need to wake up. I'm talking today specifically to believers. We need to wake up and to realize that the hour is late and we need to start living serious lives of prayer, sharing our faith, being faithful to be involved in church ministry and the things that matter. These are the things that will last forever. And that is the souls of men and women and boys and girls. And that's what our lives, that's what my life, that's what our ministry really is all about. Dr. Fraser, you set up this next question really well, and Dylan alluded to the fact that we ministered to men and women around the country who identified themselves as watchmen and around the world. We always ask our guests at the end of our podcast to speak directly to that group of people. If you could speak to that community of watchmen around the world in that difficult calling that they have in the difficult last days that you've described in your book, what would you say? Well, first of all, I would say that Jesus said that they will know we are his. They'll know we belong to him by our love. And we need to have lives that exude the love of God for the lostness of humanity. But here's the issue that all of us, all of our watchmen need to remember, and that is this. We must love people enough to be honest with them to honestly tell them the truth. I had a conversation with a young man just a few days ago, and he was telling me what he believed. And I listened to him patiently and quietly as he went through his litany of all the things that he thought that he believed. And finally, when he took a breath, I said, I just have one question that I want to ask you, just one. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, my question to you is this, what if you're wrong? You see, the truth of the matter is, is that many of us have gotten to a place where we're afraid of any type of confrontation. We don't want anyone to to uh, be angry at us. We want everyone to just simply love us or like us, etc. And yet, the truth is, Jesus said some hard things. And when he did, uh, people reacted to that. Some people left him, so much so that he looked at his own followers and said, you know, they are all gone. Will you go away also? And they wisely said, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of life. And so today, as I look at a world that has gone crazy with the homosexual, lesbian, transgenderism issue, I see Satan attacking the created order of God. I see all these things happening, and I see that everyone wants to be careful that they don't offend anyone. And yet the truth of the matter is we must love enough to lovingly tell the truth, because there is a day of judgment coming. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. One day, although we've tried to do away with the fact that there's a creator, and we've decided that we're a process of slime over time, one day, every person who has been born on this face of this earth is going to stand before God in the most horrific event the world has ever known. And the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, and the books of life will be opened, and whoever's name is not found in the book will be cast forever into the lake of fire. I wrote a book called Hell is for Real a few years ago, and I did it because hell is for real. And sadly, Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and most people go that way. But narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. Our job is to take the message of a, of a loving Savior to the world in the time that we have. 
And it reminds me of a personal story I heard just today of a friend of mine who had called to make a phone appointment with uh, someone in another state uh, as part of his work. And a week later, he calls back to have the phone meeting and the assistant answers and says, oh, I'm sorry, have you not heard uh, the gentleman you called for had passed away recently? And just that idea that someone he had talked to on the phone seven days before in that time period was no longer there. He could no longer have an opportunity to witness to that person and tell them about Jesus Christ is just such a wake-up call that the time is short, and I love your encouragement. We have to be willing to love people enough to tell them the truth. So thank you for that. And again, we want to encourage people to go to GaryFraser.com, pick up a copy of his book, It Could Happen Tomorrow. And finally, we want to encourage you to check out IamAWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all the latest. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or our podcast on SoundCloud.com slash IamAWatchman. And we look forward to joining you next time on a view from the wall. A view from the wall in association with I Am A Watchman Ministries exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.